Hello, welcome to Driving and Barely Thriving. This is Brittany, Megan, and Crickets. Katie, <laughs> where where you at? Katie. <laughs> Katie is sick again. Yeah, so you just have to deal with us tonight. <laughs> Uh, we have a little bit of true crime for you tonight. Or is it true crime? Or is yes. it... Is it it's yes. true crime? Yes. Is it the truest of true? I think so. <laughs> she said, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But uh, we are approaching the holiday season. The holiday season. <laughs> uh, and my question is... And Katie, I know you're going to listen. Or you better listen. And... Uh, you got to answer this too, so be ready. What is your favorite childhood memory from Christmas? I feel like we did this last year. No. And I don't think I can give an answer. <laughs> it doesn't have to be Christmas Day. It can just be the month of Christmas. Oh, my God. Cricket, cricket, cricket. What's yours? I don't know. It's a terrible <laughs> question because I don't have a clue. I have so many good ones. I feel. Um, I just, Okay, so I just love Christmas in general. It's I my favorite. Too. I thought so. I think it's Katie's favorite too. I, I mean, I mean, mine does revolve around Christmas Day. But so um, as a child, I would, of course, run to my parents' room and wake them up. But we didn't do Christmas at my house first thing in the morning. Yes, we did. Wait, what? Do you even know your childhood? I have a very large family, and we had a bunch of places to be, so we worked our house around it. We did do ours Christmas Day. Sorry. So we would wake up. I'm just still thrown that you got to run to your parents' room on Christmas morning. Why? We were not allowed to leave our rooms. Not at all. Continue, I mean, and like, I'll, I'll explain. Obviously, until I was, like, maybe eight. No. I'm, no. Probably six, they would come wake me up. And no. then I would run to them. No, I'm still talking, like, 15 years old, and they're like, don't you come out of that room. Oh, no, I didn't at that age. <laughs> but, um, so I would go wake them up. We would cook breakfast, watch the Christmas Day Parade. And then open presents. And then go to my great-grandpa's house for their Christmas. And then we would go to my... On the other side of the family, go to my great-grandma's for her Christmas. And then we'd come home and watch Christmas movies until they fell asleep. Is that your favorite memories? I don't know. That was the question. Oh, I don't know. But I do have something to say. (laughs) I'm so... Either we're really lazy or y'all are just overachievers. Because how in the world did y'all get up? Did it go in that order? Like, yes. Bre- okay, so. Well, it was like breakfast and then like 11 o'clock for my great-grandpa's. And then we'd probably come home for a couple hours, maybe watch a couple Christmas movies, and then go to my other great-grandma's for dinner and then come back and watch more Christmas movies. Okay, so we would <laughs> wake up. My, this question, we just flipped my question. I oh, know, I'm sorry. No, you're good, you're good. Uh, <laughs> That's all I could think of. <laughs> So we would wake up and then they didn't want us to ever come out of the room because they wanted us, they wanted to be able to videotape us. Oh, yeah. And so. They did that to us until we were like six. 
Oh, they did it up in up until. Well, you know what? It, when the favorites moved out of the house and I was left, they didn't care. <laughs> but uh, up until they moved out, they still did it. But we couldn't come into the living room until they were in the living room and like waiting, and they were where they needed to be. But also, I now know that they wanted to make sure everything was good. Um, yeah. That Santa gifts were good and everything was the way that it should be before we entered that room. Yeah. Uh, but we did not know. No, no, no. There was no breakfast. We, we literally still woke up. At their house. Well, we woke up at like I don't know. Most most of the time, Christmas morning like was six a.m., seven a.m. Like as soon as we woke up, that was time to go. Uh, we would run in there and we would open the gifts. Like we sat down on the floor immediately and started passing out gifts and just opening. And there was no such thing as breakfast until about two and a half hours later, when after we had unopened and probably not two and a half hours, but it felt like forever. And we're all on the floor playing and having a good time. And then my mom would be like, "Do y'all want some breakfast?" And then if we said yes, she would go make something. Yeah. Um, I don't recall going to. Um, people's like different houses on Christmas until I got into like relationships and then I would go to there. Yeah. But Christmas Eve though, we, we did, we went to people's houses and did Christmas there. I don't know. Now Christmas day. Yeah. The holidays have always been crazy with our family because we had so many to go to. Well, when, when you move and we're the only ones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that sounds awful. All of our, all of my family is there. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, um, I do the same thing with my kids. I just wake up and they're not allowed to go in the living room until I say it's time. Yeah. We go in there and we open gifts. And then if they're hungry, I will make breakfast. It's nothing fancy. It's eggs and pancakes. That's all I'm going to make. Maybe a biscuit. And then we literally watch the parade and we watch Christmas movies. We watch a Christmas story mm-hmm. all day because we watch it on repeat. And now McKenna even quotes it. <laughs> like, or I'll, I'll like sit on the couch and then she'll come up with like her head up on the, like at the, the cushion and I'll stick my foot on her forehead and I'll like push her down like the slide. Like <laughs> we mimic the whole movie the whole day. <laughs> And we still do breakfast at my parents' house, and we go all out. But, like, you know, Mom likes her beauty sleep, so it's me and Dad cooking and everybody else just trying to get woke up. As it should be. (laughs) Mothers should not have to cook on Christmas morning, or Christmas night, for that matter. And let's just take Thanksgiving out, too. (laughs) I'm pretty sure Dad is the one that always started it. But we make... Pretty much everything. Chocolate gravy, regular gravy, biscuits, bacon, eggs. So what I'm hearing sausage. what I'm hearing is I got an invite and I know where to go to get Come some on. chocolate gravy. I can make you some anytime. Oh, I could too. I just it's better when other people make it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I haven't had that in years. We do it every Christmas morning. Is that just a southern thing? We need Katie. Yes it is. Okay. When she we were driving down the road one day when she lived with me. And you know the biscuit cabin? No. What is the biscuit cabin? Owned by Rick's. No. They're in front of their big warehouse. Oh, yeah, yes, I've seen yes. it. I've seen it. Okay, their sign popped up 
chocolate gravy as we were driving by and she was like what the heck is that and I was like you don't know what chocolate gravy is she said no and then she called one of her parents and they had never heard of it either oh, the way I was fixing to describe it would have been completely disgusting <laughs> I'm gonna tell it to you but I'm gonna cut it off here I mean it is <laughs> it's the best thing you'll ever put in your mouth I guarantee you that and with that being said, I know Brittany's got a lot to Let's say about this uh, true crime that I know nothing about. Because she didn't tell me who it was. All I know is it's a serial killer. You might. Right? You, yeah. Okay, well, I mean, I might know who it is, but I don't know. I never heard of it until I saw the documentary or whatever. So how am I supposed to know? You might not. I might surprise you here. Let's go. <laughs> Let's dive in. Okay, so one day, me and Gunnar were just chilling at the house, you know? And I was like, we were trying to figure out what to watch. And I was like, look, if we can't figure it out, let's watch some true crime documentaries. As you should. So we just, I clicked on the first one that I saw, which is called Catching Killers. And we just clicked on the (gasps) first episode that we found. Do you know it? No, no. But when you told me that it was Netflix, I was like, I'm going to go find it. And that was the one that I clicked it. And I didn't. I was like, I'm okay, not going to watch okay, it. Okay, good. Okay, good. I didn't, but that's the one I picked. I was like, out of all these, which one would she pick? I knew it. <laughs> I didn't read anything either. Well, the episode is called End of the Line, The Railroad Killer. Ooh. So buckle up, because we're on driving and barely thriving, and I'm about to tell you some true crime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hughes Spring, Texas, 1998. Chief of Police Randy Kennedy knew Leafy since he was 16 years old. Chief Kennedy, at the time of this episode airing, has been in law enforcement. Oh, by the way, this is the only place I got my research from was that episode on Netflix. So you can go watch it after you hear this if you would like. It'll be in the description. Um, So Chief Kennedy has been in law enforcement for 46 years. On October 2nd, 1998, Chief Kennedy received a call that Leafy hadn't shown up to visit her sister and wanted him to go to her house to check on her. The front door was locked, so he climbed in the front window. He had a feeling of dread, and it's eerily quiet in the house. He walked into her bedroom and sees a body that has been covered by a blanket in the floor and sees that it is Leafy. She had been beaten to death with a blunt instrument. Chief Kennedy said Leafy never had any enemies. Her purse was found in the bathroom with her identification laid out on top of the purse, displayed like the murderer is proud of what he has done. There was also something found in the kitchen sink that looked like a meal had been eaten. There was a plate in the sink with toast half-eaten on the plate and a butter knife surrounded by breadcrumbs on the counter by the sink. At the back of the house, there is a window that had been prized back with clear palm prints on the glass. Chief Kennedy looked out that exact window and saw the railroad tracks right across the street. As I mentioned earlier, Chief Kennedy stated that Leafy had no enemies in the community, so he knew it had to be somebody traveling by that train. It is known that hobos ride that train and stop in Hughes Spring every so often, so with all of these observances, Chief Kennedy began gathering and comparing palm prints to the ones he found on that window over the next couple of weeks. But unfortunately, he found no matches. He began reaching out to other departments in Texas to see if they have had any similar, <clears throat> anything similar to this case he is investigating occur. A week later, he received a call from Sergeant Kim Maka, Macha, Maka. Sorry if I mispronounce any names. 
with West University Police Department in which he learns they had a murder. The MO was very similar with the case he was investigating. I still don't know what it is, but I was wondering if I was there because that uh, buttered toast and crumbs. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know how much I I eat that on a daily. (laughs) That's why I look like this. (laughs) I got some buttered toast every day. Every day. If I I don't know what to eat, I run in that kitchen. I make some buttered toast like I thought about my life whenever you read over that part i was like mm, breadcrumbs <laughs> buttered toast after we just ate <laughs> i would kill four pieces right now oh my gosh all right so uh, west university place texas which is 250 miles away from Hughes spring texas a woman was found murdered upstairs in a bedroom. Blood stains were found in several areas of the room along with a large knife with blood on it. This woman was Dr. Claudia Benton. Mm. She was a mother of twin daughters. Dr. Benton was sexually assaulted and beaten with a bronze figurine. Her body was covered with and her identity Excuse me. <laughs> Her body was covered and her identification card was turned upright and her purse was turned over. There appeared to be food eaten at the scene with scraps left on a cutting board in the kitchen with a steak knife on the cutting board as well. Dr. Benton's house was also by railroad tracks. Chief Kennedy asked Sergeant Maka, Macha, Maka, I don't know. I don't remember how they said it. Matcha. Okay. If there were any palm prints. There were no palm prints, but the fingerprints they recovered were compared to all the unknown prints in the fingerprint database, and a match was made. The suspect is called Rafael Resendez Ramirez. What? They found it? Match fingerprints in the system. I've never heard of this name. Of course, they have no permanent location for Ramirez, And they were in need of someone that could run leads statewide as they came in. So they enlisted the help of the Texas Rangers. Former Sergeant Drew Carter of the Texas Rangers was three months into his career as a ranger when this case arose. Sergeant Carter found in the suspect's immigration file that Ramirez has a history of being taken off the trains for trespassing. Ramirez has been arrested multiple times. He's been arrested in Michigan, California, and East Coast, Texas. So with that being said, they don't have much of a pattern as far as getting ahead of him and figuring out where he might go next. Each time he was arrested, he provided a different name, a different date of birth, and in some cases, a different social security number. Man, how times have changed because you could not get away with that now. Nope. The initial leads revolved around the wanted poster they had put out. They received lots of tips about a Mexican male that fit the description, but they didn't receive anything concrete that would leave, lead them to where he might be. I mean, I watched a YouTube video the other day because I have a weird obsession with police videos and mm-hmm. whatnot. And there was a girl who lied about her, excuse me, lied about her name and everything. And she wasn't even going to go to jail. Like She didn't even do anything to go to jail, but because she lied about it and they, they just thought she was lying like the person she gave actually pulled in the system, but they were like, "We don't think that's your name." And she was like, "It's my name. It's my name." She changed it like five times. They took her to jail and arrested her for false, false something, whatever. But oh like, my gosh. this guy's sitting here giving you eighteen names and getting away with it. Yeah, I know. Oh, just wait. 
Ew. Waymar, Texas, five to six months later. Oh, is the name going to change and I'm going to know who it is? In the church parsonage, oh. the pastor and his wife were murdered in their bed while they were asleep with the sledgehammer. Karen Cernick, the pastor's wife, was sexually assaulted during this attack and her body was left in a position sim- similar to the way Dr. Benton's was. The DNA evidence collected from Dr. Benton and Karen were a match. This is when they realized they are dealing with a serial killer. You said 1988. 1998. 1998? Yeah. Never mind. I'm, I'm, I have no guesses. I had a guess, but <laughs> never mind. May 1999. Thomas McClin- McClin- How do you say that? Like- McClinigan. McClinigan. Oh, is there a G in there? Yes. McClinigan (laughs) was a special agent in the FBI from 1984 to 2009. The FBI got involved in this case because they have thousands of agents countrywide. The manhunt for Ramirez was the biggest criminal case that Thomas had ever been a part of. McClinigan wanted to get this case across social media so that everyone in the U.S. was looking for him. The FBI printed 400,000 flyers that contained his picture and his description in both the English language as well as Spanish. Thomas stated that the only people who have bigger egos than the FBI are Texas Rangers. So he assigned Kim to work with Drew. Kimberly Barkhausen was also a special agent in the FBI. Thomas asked Kim to look at all of the cases she can come up with similar to the three that they know are linked to the suspect. And within hours, Kim finds another case that occurred in Kentucky that happened two years prior to the first one I told you about. It was on August 29th, 1997. Okay. I'm sorry, two years prior to the date that he assigned her. I'm sorry. Well, I know why you looked at me funny earlier today when I said, is it about a park ranger? Yeah. Yeah, I get it now. <laughs> the Texas Rangers. <laughs> Two college students, this was on August 29th, 1997, was, this was the, his first attack. Two college students, Christopher Meyer and Holly Dunn, were walking along the railroad when they were attacked. Holly survived the attack while Christopher did not. June 4th, 1999, about a week after learning about the Kentucky murder, they get a phone call about another murder. Josephine Convicka's case is about three miles from the Cernix murder in Waymar, Texas. Kim goes to the crime scene and sees a window busted out. Food crumbs with a steak knife nearby. She approaches the bed and notes that Josephine appeared to be sleeping peacefully when this occurred. Josephine had blunt force trauma to the head by a pickaxe. The investigation team discovered a newspaper in one of the rooms with an article about the Cernix murder displayed. They also discovered a toy train the suspect found at the scene that he displayed in the box on the bed. Within hours of learning of Josephine Convica's case, they learned about 26-year-old Naomi Dominguez in Houston. Naomi was found in the floor in her home near the railroad tracks, beaten to death with evident blunt force trauma as well as sexual assault. Her identification was displayed upright on the floor. <laughs> okay, so when you first started talking about it, and I clearly didn't know the dates, and even 1980s would not be okay. I was thinking about Amityville Horror. Who? The Amityville Horror, like the Amityville. 
house. But oh, I, I know it's not because that was. Well, no, I don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what that is? No. Shut up. You're lying to me right now. <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay. You will soon. Okay. Um, it just sounded like it, but that was like in like 19. I'm gonna be wrong. No one come at me. 1930s, 1940s. It was, but that it sounded like that. I have no clue who you're who you're even talking about. Well, no, you're going to. Mm. You're learning. I'm gonna learn you today. <laughs> Information is coming in quickly from all over, and the investigation team learns that the subject crossed the border and has been detained by immigration officials. But due to a computer failure, he was let go because they were not notified that he was wanted for murder. After he was let go, he re-entered the U.S., and that is when he murdered Josephine and Naomi. Mm. Yeah. This was after all the FBI flowers. Flowers. The flowers. <laughs> all the FBI flowers were out, and they said they weren't informed of the murders. And let him go after being detained. Well, in all honesty, 400000 is not a lot. That is true. I feel like it should have been, and wait, 1990, there was cable, there was news. It should have been mm-hmm. more, like, oh God, I almost said more better. More it should, better. <laughs> it should have been out there better. I agree. Rafael Resendez Ramirez joined other criminals on the FBI's 10 most wanted fugitive list, and the reward money was around $125,000. America's Most Wanted picks up the case to see if they could generate tips that could go. lead to the capture of Ramirez. Here we go. <laughs> now we're cooking with bacon grease. <laughs> Sergeant Drew is called over to one of the call takers on America's Most Wanted while she is on the phone with someone. The caller's name is Lupe, and she says she is a cousin of Ramirez. Lupe tells <gasps> Drew that the suspect's mother's name is Virginia, and tells the call taker that he is actually using his uncle's name and the suspect's real name is Angel Resendez. Not Rafael Resendez Ramirez. Angel has a sister named Manuela that lives in Albuquerque. You know who it is now? <laughs> I knew I know the 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 the, the Lupe. I know this. <laughs> that name. Okay. Kim and Drew travel to Albuquerque to meet with Manuela at her house. Drew asked Manuela if she knew where her brother was, but she did not. He proceeds to inform her that she needs to prepare herself for what she will do when he calls her, and she stated, why would he call me? I have not talked to him. Manuela ultimately decided to help catch him because she knew it was the right thing to do. June 15, 1999. An 80-year-old man has been fatally shot, and his daughter has been beaten to death inside their home in Gotham, Illinois. Drew later gets a call from the communication center, and they inform him, inform him that Manuela called them and said that she needed to speak with him. He called Manuela, and she lets him know that her brother had been in contact with her and said that he was tired and weary. This makes Drew think this means he might be ready to give up. Drew and Kim go to Albuquerque at this point to meet with Manuela so that she can hopefully aid the surrender of the railroad killer. <clears throat> what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Nothing. Nothing. Okay. Continue. Okay. July 12th, 1999. Manuela gets a phone call from Angel and Drew. Whoa. Manuela gets a call from Angel 
and Drew and Kim are communicating with him through Manuela to negotiate and finalize the terms of his surrender. After hours of phone calls, they finally get it out of him that he wants to surrender at the El Paso border. In just six hours, they will have the suspect in their presence. So they load up the car and take a road trip from Albuquerque to El Paso. Nobody in Houston knows what they are doing, nor do they have any control over what they're doing. They had a few hours before Angel would be arriving at the border, so Kim calls Thomas to inform him of what is about to go down. Drew is standing at the border, watching all the vehicles going by, not knowing what kind of vehicle Angel would be arriving in, so he is just kind of looking out for people in the passing vehicles, when all of a sudden, a truck starts coming towards him with three people inside. Drew immediately notices Resendez sitting in the middle of that truck. Resendez gets out of the truck and is wearing blue jeans, a long sleeve shirt, glasses, and a belt. Excuse me. Drew is surprised to see how small this guy is after all of the damage he has done. Resendez didn't really talk or seem to have anything he wanted to say. Drew introduced himself, shook his hand, then turned him around and cuffed him. Kim is in the vehicle watching this all occur and is instantly relieved when she sees the cuffs go on. Okay. Houston PD confirmed the palm prints that were found at Leafy's house did belong to Resendez. Resendez was linked to nine murders at the time of his arrest and confessed to many more. He was convicted of capital murder and executed by lethal injection in June 2006. Oh, wow. They didn't wait that long with him. They got him out of here. Yeah. Wow. If only it happened that quickly these days. I'm just going to tell you I didn't expect him to surrender. Yeah, that they, they kind of made this, the ending kind of like bleh. I know. I was expecting like when he showed up for. I thought they were something. about to attack. Yeah, yeah. Ow. Well. Nice. You read that very fast, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I know. I thought it would take me forty-five minutes. But so did I. Whenever I wrote all that stuff out. Yeah. It was like seven pages. Anyways. Wow. So there's more episodes on there though, of different people. Yeah. Different things. Oh yeah. Hmm. Name your favorite. That's the only favorite. one I've watched. That's the only one I've watched, though. Name your favorite serial killer. <laughs> Me? Like, not your favorite, because I don't have a favorite, but the one that you're interested in. Mm, none? I don't, I don't, There's none know. that intrigue you? I don't know. Okay, so... I'm going to give you a little, a little history lesson on Amityville Horror... <laughs> Have you not seen the movies? No. Oh my gosh. What's your favorite serial killer? Mm, not favorite. We need to. We need to. Uh, What's the most intriguing that. serial killer to you? Toy box killer. I was gonna say that. I it. I don't know if it's intriguing. More. It's more of. It's painful to think about to talk yeah. about like. And there are worse things. I was going to say that and I thought you would think I was crazy. No, there are, there's worse things that have happened to people, but that one just gets me. Yeah. Okay, so they did a movie over this. Excuse me. Ryan Reynolds was the main star. Okay. But it happened uh, many, many years before that. At a house on 112 Ocean Avenue. 
in 1974. Where is this located? Um, yeah, about that. <laughs> you got the address. Yeah, that's all I have. <laughs> that's all I have. Give me just a second. Um, Amityville Horror. Horror? Story. Horror. <laughs> you horror. said horror. I did. <laughs> oh. Can we please just have what actually happened? Yes. The, oh, here it is. The real. There's the house. That's creepy. Yeah, it is. Okay. 33 miles outside of New York City, nestled in the Long Island town of Amityville, stands a house forever linked to the Amity, Amity, Amityville Amity. Jesus, uh, horror. Horror. I horror. did it again. <laughs> November 13th, 1974. <laughs> the estate was the scene of a mass murder. What is it with November 13th? I don't know. That's the day of the Idaho murders. I don't know. Using a rifle, 23-year-old Ronald J. Defoe, Defoe, whatever, murdered his entire family while he, they were asleep, including his parents and four siblings. That included his parents and four siblings. Mm. Maybe I have heard this. George was said to wake up at 3.15 every morning, which was around the time Ron carried out his murders. Um, oh, that's creepy. It happened all the time. The family claimed that the smell, that to smell strange odors and see green slime oozing out of the walls. Wait, the is this the holes. one where the house randomly caught on fire? Or was that something else? I don't recall the actual story. What am I thinking of? And none of these are actually... This is the movie that it's describing here. That's the house, but... Um, I'm a little thrown off right now, because it's like all you can find is the movie and not the actual... And it also said it used a rifle. I thought they used an axe. Maybe I don't know too much about it <laughs> now that I'm reading this. Um... I mean, I knew it existed, but we're going to listen to a podcast on the way home about it. Well, now I need to know what I'm thinking about. Here's the first ever movie about it. Am I thinking about something different? I think we're thinking of the same thing. But I don't know what it's called. And I just made myself look real stupid. No. No, it was the Amity. It was the... Because I said it was a traveling preacher that went through and, and killed the entire family. <sighs> Is that not Amityville? I've lost it. I couldn't tell you. I've seen so many. Maybe we need to do some research and do that. Maybe maybe we should. Maybe. Educate ourselves. Maybe I got too much true crime in here when I'm mixing two of them together. Yeah, I think I'm mixing three in my head together. What are you? When you say traveling preacher, I'm thinking of the guy that left for business, but his entire family was found murdered at his house. Oh no, that was a podcast that we listened to last year. Yeah, sitting right here. Yeah, it was. Crime junkies did it, yeah. and Kay, it turns out you know he was there the whole time. And shout he, out! He killed him. Yeah. yeah, shout out. <laughs> um. 
I'm really sh- okay. So I'm gonna go to. Uh, well, I can't open up your. We're gonna we're gonna look this up. Oh, Katie tried to call me. Just go to like their on my podcast. Yeah, go to their earlier episode. Like maybe not the year they started, but the second year. I'm not gonna sleep well <laughs> until I know what I'm getting confused. Is this the one I'm talking about, though? Yes. That's the one I'm talking about. Robert Fisher. Robert Fisher. I wonder if we could look up um, Amityville Horror. On Crime Junkie? Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Crime Junkie. Can you search on here? No. Episode. Uh, nope. <laughs> oh, wait. Nope. <laughs> I suck tonight. I can't do this. Should I call her and have her talk on the podcast for a minute? You should. Ready now? Ready. Rude. Your call has been forwarded to. <laughs> Are you really? When did she call you? Like 15, 20 minutes ago. She, she is not well. Okay, I'm definitely mixing two together. What am I thinking about, though? Or did the movies just dramatize it? Your call has been forwarded to no, voicemail. No, she answered The person you're trying we to tried. Reach- We tried, Katie. We tried. My we phone tried. was on Do Not Disturb. That's why I did not answer when you called. We tried so hard. Um... Okay, so what we have found out today is I need to stop thinking I know it all. And I have a bad personality. (laughs) Megan. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I've lost my mind. Megan. Outside of this podcast. So, Brittany, do you randomly start fights? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) On, On purpose? Do you knowingly do it? No. Because apparently... Until afterwards, and I'm like, oh, I'm kind of stupid for that. Oh, yeah. Kind of like my, my <laughs> moment today. I mean, I woke up bitter. Woke up bitter. I actually did that last time. Same. <laughs> I gotta change my ways. Yeah. Don't we all? Yeah. but I think I'm gonna change my eating ways instead. I got to get my butt back in that gym. The gym would love to see your butt. <laughs> I have donated so much money to them and not stepped foot in that place all year. 
I got a tiny savings account with them. Average that up. Whenever you stopped going and then now. You should average it up. I think I went like once at the beginning of the year with you. I've been once all year. And I paid $30 a month. Stop it. I almost ended our podcast on accident. Anyways. So, yeah. There's that. Um, did she call you again? No. Okay. So, another thing with true crime is... Another one. Another one. I'm really bothered right now. Like, I can't move on. Because I don't know which ones I'm getting confused. Or did the movies just dramatize it so much that I don't... So, instead of sleeping tonight, you're going to figure out what you're... (laughs) Oh, no. I'm going to go home and I'm going to... We're going to figure it out on the way home. Do paperwork. I have to do audits tomorrow. That sounds fun. Sounds lovely. (laughs) It's so good. But I'm still stuck, like... This wasn't a question, but it's fixing to be a question. What is one that you're stuck on? And it's the die love pass. Because I'm still yep. stuck on it. I want to know more. Yeah. And I have done the research with that. And there is nothing. I am still stuck on the toy box killer, too. Oh, it's so... It's so gruesome. I can't look at PVC pipes. <laughs> or nails. You know my favorite one to listen to when I want a good laugh? A la- oh, the, okay. Katie, are you back there? Can you say it for her? <laughs> Help me. Somebody make it stop. The weepy killer. By Morbid. Is it by them? Yes. Because you know how funny their commentary is. And it just cracks me up. I was talking to someone... Um, I almost said recently, but it was a few months ago. And they said they just, they could not listen to Morbid. I listen to them when I don't want it to be as serious. Well, I think people are just too up in their their feelings and too sensitive. I mean, if I'm being honest, I'm sensitive, especially the older I get. But they were like, I don't like to listen to it because they're making fun of people. They can't just be serious. They're not making fun of anybody on their podcast. They're not no. making fun. Well, I mean, unless it's the murderer and they're like, you idiot or, you know. Yeah. But, like, they're not making fun of victims or anything. They're making light of a very terrible situation. Exactly. They're making it not be so harsh. Yeah. And, I mean, the the cussing could stop. Uh, but, I mean, <laughs> what am I to say? Because I literally cussed tonight in front of a whole room of people. Uh, not meaning to. So, and so did you. Yeah. (laughs) Don't get on our bad side. Lord, Katie missed it. They all learned that tonight. I think one in particular did learn that tonight. Oh, yeah. He even apologized, and I've never heard that person apologize for anything. He apologized. I told you that when you walked away. Oh, that's right. That's right. He should have been apologizing to me. Yes, he should have. Um, and I don't, well... (laughs) <laughs> I do ask for apologies. The older I'm getting, the more sensitive I am, like I just said. And I'm like, D- poor Mikey, I swear. <laughs> I've had, I've asked people, I've asked somebody um, if I'm in the wrong. I think I've asked you before, too. Um, <laughs> poor Mikey is all I gotta say. 
That's all I gotta say. I think say. today is the first time that I disagreed with you on something. Wait, say that again. Today was the first time that you asked my opinion and I disagreed with you. You did disagree and I felt two inches tall, but I needed <laughs> to hear it. Um, so <laughs> I, I can be wrong and that's why, like, the older I've... I keep talking about being older, but, like, the older I've gotten, the more I'm willing to be like, just take, take a step back and be like, mm, am I wrong here? Do I need... Am I not seeing it clearly? Am I not seeing the other person's side? Now, granted, there's always other little things tied yeah. in there that could, could, you may not be right, but the other little things could make you correct. Like, I don't know if that makes sense, but you shouldn't look at stuff like that anyways. But, yeah, Brittany did not agree with me. Brittany told me I was crazy. and uh, I did not say those words. She said I had a terrible personality. I did not say those <laughs> She definitely didn't say that. She said, I have a terrible personality. Maybe you just have a bad memory. I'm a bad mom. And I'm going. I'm going. (laughs) Okay, so this is my last episode. (laughs) She told me that I can change everything. So that that means that she agrees. I did not say that. She agrees. I did not say that. She thinks I need to change my ways. I think you should tell the truth. I'm telling somewhat of the truth. You're twisting it. It's part part truth. You're twisting it. <laughs> okay. You got it twisted, homie. Well, whatever. That's tomato, tomato. Whatever. Just make me look like the bad guy. Well, you and Mikey both. I was the bad guy tonight, so. You you know, we both were. But you, you took it another step further. <laughs> He's lucky I didn't punch him in his face. I think if he would have said one more thing, I think the other three people. Oh no, he had me so heated after I said that I was shaking. I was ready to go. (laughs) I was like, man, I'd really hate to break an old man's face. (laughs) I can't wait to uh, close out this podcast and call Catherine and let her know what's going on. She answers. Well, we can't answer the phone, Katie. Gosh. We wanted to tell you so much. We got some tea to fill you in on. Listen, I think this is the most random podcast we've ever done. And whoever listens to it is going to have anxiety. Because we're jumping from this to that. Join the club. I just can't get my (laughs) mind right because I can't think of... Well, first off, I can't get my mind right because apparently yesterday I was wrong and today I'm wrong. Anyways, but... I, don't you dare. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of hurt. I bet it did. I heard it. But uh, uh, I'm really stuck on that true crime. So Yeah. Yeah. The one I gave you? No. No. no the. I know. I can't believe I have that wrong. And I could not be wrong. I might. Oh. <laughs> Hello. I might be right. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think I've ever heard of that. Mm. Well, we about to look it up and we gonna find out. We're gonna listen. Yeah. And um, Katie, answer the phone. We got some tea to spill on you. It was so loud. That was so loud. It was aggressive. I'm trying to scare. Well, you scared me. <laughs> I'm right here. <laughs> Good. Uh, uh, <laughs> I gotta take that off there. <laughs> so, what is it that you're looking forward to this Christmas? I got to get off the serial killer because I'm fixing to lose my mind. (laughs) (laughs) 
I am looking forward to spending time with my family because I feel like you're talking about getting older. The older I get, I feel like I don't really get to see my family as much as I'd like to. So I'm really excited for that. Yeah, I don't feel like I finished my thought whenever I was talking about getting older, which is another <laughs> sign of getting older. And y'all called me out last time. Y'all need to do that more often. Um, sorry, you're gonna finish that. I or... don't know what I was saying. Uh, okay, hopefully old you age. <laughs> my nose just whistled. <laughs> Come I'm on, also shiny. excited to see a select few amount of people open their gag gifts. <laughs> I heard a pretty, few of them. Got some pretty good ones this year. Nothing's gonna beat. Um, can I say it? Yeah. I don't think anything is gonna beat that cookbook. Might come close. Oh my god! But gosh. the year that uh, your dad got Vagisil or Summer Eve, <laughs> he opened it and he was like, "What am I gonna do with this?" <laughs> You're gonna lather up with it. Oh man, that was pretty good. So I'm really excited. What are you excited about? Oh, to uh, see them open gifts. Like I told you earlier, I went a little bit more mature with McKenna this year. And I'm I'm kind of scared that it's going to backfire in my face. And she's going to be like, oh, I didn't get this, this, and that. But, I mean, she shouldn't. I mean, she may seem disrespectful at times. But she really doesn't care when it comes to that. Yeah. She's going to be excited for her Santa gift, for sure. That should make up for everything else. But I wanted her to have a... I don't want her to grow up. I'm probably the last person to want their kids to grow up. Yeah. I want them to stay little as long as she can. But I did get um, just some, some... I didn't get toys. Like, I didn't buy... I got things she can use year-round and not just play with toys. Yeah. But I'm excited. I'm always excited for Christmas morning. I just I just want some snow. I do not want snow. To make it feel like Christmas. Get a snow machine. I want snow. You know, it's supposed to snow the whole week of Christmas except one day. It's not going to. It's not going to. I just popped your bubble. Uh, (laughs) Do not do that again. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Why Um, don't you want snow? I've only seen one good snow in my entire life. Snowed last year. Not good. It snowed good enough to keep us from bowling one day in a tournament. Huh? Oh, actually, we showed up. But it delayed our trip. That was not last year. That was two years ago. That was not two years ago. It was last year. No, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. That was in 2022. She's going to make me break oh, out. Oh, I'm sorry. She, I'm thinking of this year. <clears throat> she's though. probably thinking about a I'm trip with someone else. I'm thinking of this year last year. Yes, you're right. Because mm-hmm. it was like the weekend before we went to Vegas. Yes, you're right. I don't care. I'm going to go to I it. I understand. I'm wrong. Okay. Well, you're going to be really wrong when I show you. I know. Because that's how I roll. And it wasn't really that it was snow. It was ice. It was that's snow. That's all we get here is freaking ice. It was snow. It was covered in snow in Memphis. March 14th, 2024. 2024? Right, 2022. That ain't even happened yet, bro. <laughs> wow. <laughs> We're in the future. I mean, I tried to. I tried to. Uh, yeah, because the day we left was March 12th. Mm. 
It did snow, didn't it? It sure did. I got pictures. In March. I wanted to snow at Christmas time. I got, got photo proof. That's why I was thinking, no, you're wrong, because I wanted at Christmas time. You always think I'm wrong. You and Mikey need to start a group. Megan's always wrong. <clears throat> uh. Anyways, I've said my piece. I'm done. <laughs> I think we should be at this point. Yeah. Okay. And I think Catherine needs to answer the phone. Yeah, I'm more interested in knowing what's up with her. Oh, crap, dude. My husband just texted me and said it's cold. Well, he's he bored. Been all day. He's bored. It is kind of chilly right now. <laughs> um, yeah. We're going to get back with that true crime. We're going to start the next episode um, with the Amityville Horror and Horror, 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 Horror. What is happening with me? I don't think me? you just spoke English. Horror, <laughs> Horror. Horror. I'm done. Horror. Horror. I don't think that was English. I think, it's, I think it's the gap in my teeth. <laughs> the overbite. Oh. I don't think I can say... Horror. I think I had a speech impediment when I was a kid and no one caught it. I think I was speech delayed. I don't think so. I think so. I just think you're hooked on phonics. I can't. Okay. <laughs> Use my own words against me. Yes, I am. Goodbye, Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, I'll be Listen, subscribing Rob, to Hooked on Phonics. Rob stole your joke the other day. What? Rob stole that joke the other day. What did he say? Well, you're sitting there. Well, I have pulled my book out and was reading at the Volan Alley. And he grabbed my book and said he was disappointed in me or whatever. And then he tried to read more of it. And he was like, I can't read this. I should have invented Hooked on Phonics. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, that's not quite. That, I, that's funny. That's not how I say it, though. I know. But that, I was going to say, I've never said, said that. And I was him. like, you've been talking to Megan. No, I mean, <laughs> he owes me child support. We're linked. <laughs> We're one and the same. I'm just That's just so kidding. Funny. JK, he does not owe me child support. I do not know him. He told me he was disappointed in me by reading the back of my book. Oh, <laughs> you're reading Smut? <laughs> Is it called Smut? Well, the big headline at the top said that he his his butt looked good in his uniform. And he said he was disappointed in me. What are you reading? The Knockabout series. His butt looked good in his uniform. That's not exactly what it said, but it said something about his butt. Was, was it? And then he read a paragraph and saw it, and he was like, I'm not mad at you, but I'm highly disappointed in you. <laughs> he said, and tell me more. Can we have a, a book party? Oh, my gosh. Man. Anyways, I hope everyone has a, a good night and almost at holidays and Christmas, but we will be back before Christmas. Um, I think I, just because it's our last night of league until we'll the new year be here next week and the next week is christmas so yes we'll touch base on all that yeah. but we are going to touch base on that that true crime as soon as we get on here because it's bothering me yes. so bad yes, yes, all yes. right well thank you for listening to driving to barely thriving go follow the instagram we might post something maybe <laughs> yeah i've been slacking i'm sorry yeah it's Brittany's job i'll do it on this i'll do it for sure all righty okay and bye love you bye oh rats what when you said love you i said bye we yeah, did not you, say it at the same time you're rude one mm. two three love you bye <laughs> okay bye <laughs>